0: Welcome to the Apostles' Corner, where we discover truth and we become the living proof. I am your host, Brian A. Harris. Uh, Thanks again, everybody, for subscribing and joining the Apostles' Corner Network, so to speak, or podcast. I'm so excited for all of you who have joined and Uh, Have become a part of this uh, podcast and just listening and, uh, you know, thank you for all of your ratings and your subscriptions and all that great stuff. Uh, I can't do anything but thank God. And I always do that at the beginning of every show simply because I really am that grateful. I really am honored that you think that I have something of substance, substance, substance to speak into your life in any way, shape, or form. However, this is blessing you. I am very thankful for that. Um, I believe that the Apostles' Corner is going to get more uh, intense, I think it's becoming more uh, uh, fruitful uh, as we challenge you from week to week uh, to grow in the grace of God. All right, so and last week uh, we had a, a great, uh outpouring of you guys uh just responding to us uh as it relates to our last show um episode five uh and now we are again we are in season one uh of growing older and today we're going to embark upon the journey that i think is very personal uh, to me and that is episode 6 entitled enjoying the man i am becoming. Now remember this entire uh this entire season uh we are dealing with uh we're dealing with all of the um just growing up at this age. Uh generation uh you know uh, X and Z and all this whatever stage of life you're in. Uh, and today I'm just dealing with Me becoming a man. So I'm dedicating this to men, but I believe uh, it is not limited to men. I simply and honestly believe that this word can actually benefit both women and men and be a blessing, uh, an incredible blessing to each and every one of you. Amen. Both women and men. And so, as a matter of fact, bring your children around. And let them listen to it, because boys become men and girls become women. And I think this is a wonderful lesson to really just go ahead and just get in front of for them and that they could really be able to benefit from it, all right? So, again, we're talking about enjoying the man I am becoming. Uh, Again, this particular podcast also is another one that is very personal, uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I will share more uh, transparent moments with you during this podcast to help you overcome your personal failures and flaws during your immature seasons and learn the uh, to accept, love, and see yourself for the person God has created you to be right now. So in other words, we're going to help you overcome personal failures, uh, personal flaws that you may currently have even, and just during your immature seasons, things that some people actually know you for that may not be so wonderful, may not be something you want to keep talking about, may not be something you want to keep hearing about. We're going to help you out to overcome that and then be able to accept, love, and see yourself for the person God has created you to be now. And if no other place gives you the room to grow and expand your life it's gonna be the apostles corner. It's gonna be past to be in the apostles corner. We're gonna Apostle Brian, whatever you want to call me. Hey, it's gonna be at the Apostles Corner. We're gonna give you space to grow. There is no judgment here at the Apostles Corner. We just have the word and we have our own life story to help you become everything and every, you know, everything you want to be in God, everything God's called you to be in him. Uh, I don't think we should become everything we want to be because unless everything we want to be is in the will of God, basically it's what we're called to be. Amen. All right. So uh, because he has lordship, amen, over our lives. All right. So uh, let me start off by uh, saying this, and I think this may be able to resonate with you from jump street. And that is no matter how saved a person seems to be, They still have a human flesh to war with, no matter how many tongues they speak in. Trust me when I tell you they aren't always running, jumping, shouting, and speaking in tongues, as they like sometimes others to think that they are. Nobody's 100% of the time just, you know, going in as we call it in our culture, in African American culture, you hear it in the African American church. Uh if you conditioned to jumping and shouting and and high praises and, and, and dance music and all of that. You see people shouting and speaking to them, We call that going in. And so uh with that being said, uh nobody's doing that all the time. I don't I don't care how much of the joy of the Lord they have, or even on their best day, they're not going in all the time. All right, so and then there's just some people that just want you to think ideally that they are that child of God that every time, every day, you know that that they they live that you know there, there ain't nothing going on in their life other than a move of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they just want you to they just want you to believe that God talked to me all the time, you know, and all of that, and and doesn't mean that He doesn't, but I still think that they war with some type of flesh all right and so at the end of the day at the end of the day uh as long as there is flesh as long as there's a flesh there's going to be a battle as long as they're flesh as you are flesh you and i we are flesh there's going to be a battle this simply means that something within you is going to always be fighting and waging a war against you. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 6 and 12 in the King James, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, which means that we don't wrestle against people. So no matter if the enemy is using someone, no matter if the enemy is is doing something to somebody, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But the truth is, you are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're wrestling against. We're wrestling against demonic powers. We're wrestling against all kinds of wickedness that that are that's in an unseen world that many times that are using and motivating flesh and blood so even though flesh and blood you may see and they may get on your nerves and they may be taking you through ungodly things that's really not your enemy that's not your number one fight your your fight is with the devil himself and all of his you know as my dad used to call them imps uh the any 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 other spirits demonic spirits that follow uh, the devil, all right? So watch this, watch this, watch this. Or any person who makes themselves available. Again, that person is not your enemy because you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but you're wrestling against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's things that you cannot see. Paul said it like this, and I like Paul's better. It's just seemed a little bit confusing, but I like I like Paul's better. Romans 7 and 14 through 24 says For we know that the law is spiritual But I am carnal Sold under sin For that which I do I allow not For what I would That do I not Here we go Paul But what I hate That do I If then I do That which I would not I consent unto the law That it is good Now then It is no more that no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Let me read the 17th verse one more time. It's no, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Think about that. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, he, he's telling you, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I have a desire to do it. I have a desire to do what's right. I'm telling you, I got a desire to do what's right. For to will is the, is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is good, I find not. I don't know how to do it. I'm struggling with trying to find the way to do it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure out how to get it done. Because I, in myself, I cannot do it. I'm I'm trying to find the way. I want to do what's right, but I cannot do, seem to find the way to do it. I don't know how to perform it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to execute the plan. Please show me. Somebody help me. All right? 19th verse. For the good that I would not, I'm sorry, for the good that I would, I do not. Y'all going to see why I'm stumbling here in a minute. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it. He says, again, who it is, what it is, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And then he says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I did, I see another problem. I see another law. 23rd verse, in my members, that's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, let me stop for a moment and give you a little context. From chapter 1 of Romans to chapter 6, through chapter 6, before chapter 7 starts, Paul is giving us this wonderful picture of God's grace, of how God judges. He is giving us a picture of, of 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 how who God really is. He's He's giving us this picture of His mercies, giving us this picture, and and He gets all the way to here, and it's almost like He get tired and weary in His mind. Like I'm, I'm I'm telling you who He is. I'm telling you about the grace of God. I'm telling you about uh uh the the, the powerlessness of sin, and I'm telling you about all of this stuff and all this, all the things that God has done for us and given us this free gift of grace. And, and he gets to chapter seven, and he has a relapse. He, he seems like Paul. Matter of fact, I, I, I actually get tongue tied every time I read chapter seven. That's the reason why I started stuttering and falling all over my place. I get tongue tied trying to trying to read it, and this is not the first time I've been preaching from Romans chapter seven. You know, for years. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I, I, it's one of my favorite. Text to preach from to show people the grace of God because, and and I preached a message one time on this called Grace for My Dark Side. Because all of us have a dark side. And I used an example uh, uh, that about uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? And so, so it, it seems like I, I, get, I get tongue-tied every time I read this. I have, to, I have to pay very close attention to Paul's words when I read this every single time or the very confusion it seems that Paul is re- ex- uh, experiencing while writing this starts coming on me. And it seems that Paul is having a schizophrenic moment while trying to write the book of Romans. He's, he's having this schizophrenic moment in the middle of talking about the grace of God. He's in the middle of explaining to us the grace of God. He's giving us a healthy balance about grace and sin. He tells us, you know, those sin does abound. Grace much more abounds. But then he says, what well, should we say then? Shall we continue with sin? He says, God forbid. That's the balance that he's trying to help us understand. That's why people didn't like Paul's message because they were saying that he was preaching us some gospel that really doesn't, is not true. So they wanted to go back to the law. But Paul said, I understand the law. I ain't, I ain't going back there. We're not doing that. I'm going to teach you about the grace of God. He gets here and he freaks out. About his own self, about his own self. Think about this: He's helping other people, but he's freaking out in himself. All right. So, and that's just my my theological opinion. All right. This is just my imagination of emotional uh, uh, things that that's going on in Paul emotionally and mentally. He's having a breakdown. He is literally freaking out because uh, he's looking at himself, and and he's like, man. And that's why we should never look at ourselves, because God is greater than us. God is is great. This this, this podcast may be just somewhat emotional for me, because it it really digs deep into my soul. And and, and I go back, even in my own mind, and see my ugliness, because I've had ugliness, and and, and I still have ugliness. But but the, 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 the beauty of it all is that God is my sanctifier, and he is my judge. And he's also living in me. And so he he hides me behind him while at the same time sanctifying me in him and through his blood, all right? Now, I know uh, that we may not suppose to say that living for God is hard, but the flesh makes it difficult because it either keeps presenting your past or it presents future sinful opportunities that are attractive to your, our flesh, but not necessarily all that healthy for us spiritually. Matter of fact, it's not healthy at all. You be truthful. It's always a constant reminder of what you've and you and I had, and what you and I hadn't had yet. This is what this is the carrot that he keeps hanging in front of us. It's, it's a constant reminder of what we have had. Well, we, in other words, the sinful life that we enjoyed because sin is enjoyable. Until the consequences come, then we don't enjoy those. But we do enjoy the sin. If it, if it didn't enjoy sin, then living, for, living in sin would be so much easier. We wouldn't struggle with sin if it wasn't fun, if it wasn't enjoyable. So let's go ahead and cut the lie out and act like, try to act like, ooh, everything in sin was just nasty. No, it may have been nasty, maybe ugly, but we we enjoy all the nastiness. We, we enjoy all of the craziness. We enjoyed it all, right? So let's just go ahead and be honest. Sin is fun. Sin is absolutely one hundred percent a huge party. Again, until the consequences come, then nobody wants to deal with that. All right, we don't want that. All right, and, and that's what most of us live our lives. You know, we want to we want to be excused on the consequences, but we don't want to change our lives. Right, we don't want to change the decisions that we make. All right, so so, but it's a constant reminder, and the devil always want to make it sh- uh, sh- show us and remind us. Hey, man, you walk away from this. Look at what you look at what you leaving, or if that's not enough, when you do leave, he always try to get you to see, hey, you know, it, that's all right. That's fine. You can leave this, but there's something else down the road. I, don't make up your mind about live for God yet because this is what you're leaving. That's kind of crazy from jump. This is what the devil is saying to you. This is how he's talking to me. That's crazy from jump. But then I got some future stuff in front of you. So keep on climbing the ladder of success. Keep on doing this, and all of this will be at the top waiting on you. So don't leave sin, because you don't. You know the devil don't care about the behavior, right? He doesn't care about the behavior, neither does God. He cares about the fact that you are committed to sin, right, or not, right, to sin. Sin itself, the lifestyle of sin. And so the devil keeps dangling in front of us, again, what you have had and what you haven't had yet. The devil wants to keep you on the line by making you feel like you're going to miss to miss what you've had and what you're going to regret that you didn't allow yourself to experience under his rule in our lives. So as I wrestled with these issues in my own life, and I have been doing a lot of fighting for years, even since I was 16 and a boy, matter of fact, long before that, I didn't even think I could be saved. I just, and I was born in a pastor's home. I was, you know, my dad's a Pentecostal bishop and we go to church all the time. I'm going out of state, flying, doing all kinds of stuff. I'm in church all the time. I'm in what we call powerful service and struggling with the fact I don't believe that I can be saved. I don't believe that God wants me. I don't believe that God loves me. I don't believe that God cares for me. I don't believe that. There's, I don't, I don't believe that I can be saved. And a couple of times that I did feel a pull of God come on me, man, I was always in the wrong denominational church to respond because of the denominational things that we were taught were different from what they were taught. And I if I had responded that way and got baptized or got gave my life to the Lord, that was going to be a problem because I was taught that our denomination had all the truth, right? So watch this, and that actually, absolutely meant that nobody else had the truth. That no, what anybody else believed did not matter. Only thing that I was taught to believe was what the denomination said was true. All right. Now watch this. So I wrestled with these issues in my own life. I found myself, because I wrestled with the issues, I found myself labeling myself by my failures, by my failures. Now let me say this now. The last thing you want to do when you fall or feel like you have failed is to label yourself by a failure. That's the last thing you want to do is label yourself by your failures. Why? Be- because at the end of the day, everybody falls down. Everybody falls down. It may not be, it may not be taught that everybody falls down, but it's definitely experienced. Everybody falls down. Now, this is why you don't want to label yourself, because labeling yourself by your failures is changing, watch this, your belief systems about God. It literally removes any hope of God's power and authority in your life to transform you into a new person because the devil wants you to believe something that God has not said about you. He wants you to be convinced that you are a failure, not that you have fallen. He wants you to buy into the fact that you are a failure. Watch this. So, one thing I know for sure is that the devil wants you to believe exactly what he wanted me to believe, and that is this. Listen to this. That my failures are fatal. fatal. My failures are fatal. If he can get you to believe that you, you, you would think that there is no hope for you. You would think that God cannot rescue you. You would literally think I'm, I'm going to share this with you. Let me move on. Cause I got, I got some things I want to share with you. So that, that, that is the biggest lie that I started to believe about myself. And here's what I started believing about myself and God All because I allowed myself to believe that my failures were fatal. I need you to listen up real good right here. I need you to really just tune in and remove every distraction out of your life right now. Because I believe that for somebody that's listening, that they may be healed. I believe for somebody that's listening, they may be delivered and set free. I believe that while you're listening to me today, you listen to the scriptures, you listen to what, But the Bible is saying today, and then you're listening to my testimony. I'm praying that your life will be totally transformed by the renewing of your mind and that you will throw away any old ungodly theology that you have ever thought about God. God, And you may feel like this is what I've heard, heard my whole life. It don't even matter. I want you to throw it away today. I want you to throw it away today because it's absolutely not true. I don't care who told it to you. I, and, and please forgive me if it seems like I'm being disrespectful. I am not I am not being disrespectful or dishonorable by even saying if it was your mom or your dad, I don't care, grandmother, grandfather, whoever it was, they lied to you. And they may have been trying to do their best, but your dear to best is not good enough. God's not looking for good intentions. Study the word so that you're not a workman needing you know, being ashamed, not rightly dividing the word of truth. Right? Causing somebody to to believe the wrong things about God because your denomination says something. Or because some pastor, bishop, or whoever said something. At the end of the day, God's word is right. Every man is a liar. God is right. Let, Let God be true. Every man is a liar. So I began to believe that my failures were fatal, but there were reasons why. And I didn't know it was reasons why. I didn't, I didn't learn there were re- reasons why. And you're going to see this. I didn't know there was reasons why until later. Now, understand this. Please get this. Please understand who I am as a person. First of all, I have been raised in the church since the day I came out of my mother's womb. I have not missed church a single day in my life. I have, other than COVID and being sick or something like that, I don't miss church unless I'm on vacation or or, or or sick or something like that. Or like I said, this COVID situation. At the end of the day, I have not, I have not ever missed church. I wasn't allowed to miss church as a kid, and so I've grown accustomed to going to church. So I've heard messages my entire life. I've seen the energy and the impact of highly emotional services and, and, and they impacted me. And I, these are the things I was trained to believe was God. I have seen a lot of things, but I always wonder what about the results? What about the fruit? And I was thinking this stuff before I really got to know who God was really, really was in my own life. And I'm all, and I'm questioning, I'm questioning the validity of what I'm seeing based on what I'm experiencing in my own flesh because I don't even understand how this works. I thought my failures were fatal. So, because I allowed myself to believe that lie. I started saying things like, God is done with me. God is done with me. This is after salvation. I'm done. I started saying things like, I'm done. I'm doomed. I'm destroyed. I started saying things like, God doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. Um, somebody can resonate with that. I start saying, asking myself, "Why should I keep trying to live for God if I'm already already damned? If I'm already damned, then why why am I still trying to serve Him? I'm in the house and I don't feel like I belong here. I'm in the church and I don't feel like I belong here. I'm in the body of Christ." And I feel like I don't belong here. So then I start labeling myself as the devil himself. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit as as the old folks testify, baptized in his name, and I'm preaching. And these are the words that are coming out of my mouth. I am the devil. Didn't know who God was. Anything that I was going to preach is going to be based on what I was taught. That's the only revelation I had, and that's what I was told. I was told a lot of things I was actually going to preach that I never did preach. I was told what I was going to preach. I wasn't raised on biblical interpretation. I was raised on whatever our denomination says, that's what you're going to say. So I start labeling myself, and and, and you, that's why you can't. That's why you can't train people on a lie, because then they start believing everything that the devil says, and then all the stuff that the devil's going to say is a lie. It's easier to believe a lie when you're already training them wrong anyway. You're teaching them the wrong things about God when you're establishing the wrong theology about God in the lives of your children or your spouse or whoever it is or your church. They, they're going to, they're prompt You set them up for failure because they automatically start believing lies about God. And then when they start believing lies about God, so that they can buy into a denominational belief system rather than believing in the kingdom and believing in God's grace and his love and who God really what his characteristic really is, what his character really is like, instead of teaching people that and really letting them know that they're really already free. Let me just tell you that God's ready to kill you, that you're going to hell, that you're doomed, you're damned, you're destroyed. You're the devil. Then the devil able to come back and confirm your words. And now you're saying this to yourself. I'm the devil. What I said about myself, and I believed it. I didn't want to believe it because who wants to be the devil? But I didn't feel like I had any choice. I just felt like that was the truth. I am the devil. The next thing I said, maybe God created me to go to hell. I keep hearing people's thoughts of God already chose who's going to be saved. And so, therefore, since God already chose who's going to be saved, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, if God already chose who I'm gonna be, who's going to be saved, and I'm sitting here and I'm struggling with my flesh, I can't seem to make the right decisions. I keep making bad decisions. I keep making bad choices. Nobody from the pulpit is telling me the truth. I feel damned every time the preacher opens his mouth. There is no real discipleship because I didn't learn that until I was good and in my 30s. And I felt that God had created me as one of those people to go to hell, to serve in the church as a penalty for my sins, not even enjoy the world and go to hell, but go to church and go to hell. Next thing I was thinking was, I'm an embarrassment to my family, the church, and God. I'm an embarrassment to my family, the church, and God. My family don't even want me. My family thinks I'm nothing. The church. The body of Christ thinks I'm trash. And if my family can't love me through my failures and restore me through my failures, and the church doesn't seem like they have that love for me or that restoration for me, then ain't no way in the world I got a chance with God. And I, I judge God based on my family and the church's treatment of my failures. The next thing I said was, God can't help somebody like me. I stopped, I lost hope that God could help anybody like me. I'm too bad. I've done too much. I've gone too far. It's impossible for God to do anything for somebody like me. I'm trash. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody it's pointless to serve God feeling like that and having that thoughts and having those ideas about God but the wrong ideas once again people were established by the wrong theology about God from the first first in the first place God can't help somebody like me the next thing i said i'm a lost cause I, I could i never thought that i could have a connection with God mm Never thought that I could have a connection with God. Not me. Everybody else can. Not me. I know people that's hypocriting in the church, and they seem to have a better grip on God than me. I'm lost. I have no one to help pick me up. There's nobody in church. No one. And I, I know all kinds of people. And I have no one to help me develop, help me to become, Everybody that I talk to are just constantly, constantly, constantly trying to condemn me in the name of scolding me or rebuking me or whatever the case may be, but they never told me who I was. No, I, was I never got in touch with that identity ever. Ever. Never told me who I already was in God. These are people with the microphones in their hands and the long robes and the clergy collars and the big cars and houses and all of the stuff that comes with ministry in America. They had all of this stuff and not one time told me who I was in Christ already. Not one time. They let me believe that I was lost. And I believe sometimes the reason why people do that is simply because if I can keep you believing that you're lost, then I can stay in control of your life. I can make you feel like there is nothing else for you to do but stay and remain up under my thumb and my foot. Now, this 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 may be a little hard. Uh, podcast today for some of you But but I'm telling you right now And especially the people that may be listening in And, and all you want to just for the sake Of criticizing uh, What I have to say that's fine that, That's perfectly okay But at the end of the day I want you to I want to talk to you too Because you're going to have to answer To God for everyone, you let them feel like they were lost, and you were called to let them know that they were not lost and that they were already set free by Jesus Christ. You're called to do that. You're not called to make them feel condemned. You're not called to make them feel like you're stronger in God than them. You're not not called to make them feel like that you are better than them. You are called to help them to understand the same God that raised you up from the pit. It's the same God who has shown, shown grace and mercy and has already died. Oh, glory to God, has died for their sins and yours. Whether you have repeated anything or not, and if they have repeated anything, it doesn't make them worse or better than you, and it certainly doesn't make you better than them. Be careful of the sin of self-righteousness while you're calling somebody and causing somebody to, to feel lost around you when you have the word that will set them free and won't even open your mouth and give it to them because the one thing that you want them to have and feel like is that they are under your control. That's dangerous. They have the keys to set somebody free and won't do it. So I thought I was a lost cause. Other things that go through my mind like nobody loves me. I'm all alone. I'm washed up. I'm useless. Nobody wants me anymore. God doesn't want me either. Why am I even still going to church? Why won't anyone come and help me? Why won't anyone come restore me? Why won't anyone show me love? And then the ultimate, I'm better off dead because now I'm having all these mental health issues. You wouldn't believe how many pastors I've sat in their offices. And one recently, I stopped talking to pastors after this. I stopped talking to pastors that I trusted. I took my wife trying to reconcile with this pastor and trying to work things out because I wanted – a spiritual father, like everybody else, it seemed like they had the greatest success in ministry because they had spiritual fathers, and and they had somebody they could go to and talk to, and 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 I went to this one guy that I just kept giving him a chance over and 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 over to to just have freedom to to help me, even if he has to correct me. I was good with correction. What people think uh, about me is totally wrong. They think I run from correction. No, I respect people who correct me, actually. But I respect people who correct me in love, not to make me feel like I'm nothing. Because the goal of correction is to establish the right way, not to focus on the wrong way. Yes, you can address the wrong way, but the goal of correction is to put me on the right track not to put me up under your feet not to not to condemn me and make me feel like I'm nothing that's not love nobody can feel restored that way that's not restoration when when I study restoration in scripture is god restoring people back to their original place that he called them to it's not Putting them in a place where it's under their feet and judging you by some everybody else's opinion of you. It's about you being honest enough to admit where you are, admit where you were, admit what you have done. And if that's not enough for a man, but it's enough for God, something is wrong. I really just, I'm better off dead. That's what I thought. These 20 thoughts and questions ran through my mind for more than a decade. And here's why. Here it is, y'all. Here's why those thoughts ran through my mind for over a decade. I wasn't taught. Talk- let me go. I'm sorry. Let me go back to the story. I didn't finish the story about the pastor. I sat in the office with that pastor with my wife. I brought my wife because I knew my wife could help me to stay calm. I knew the pastor had the ability to try to trigger me and and make me say or do something that would disqualify me even more. So I brought my wife because I figured that would hinder that from happening. But it didn't. Instead of the pastor helping me, and I went to him to work it out. It was a bishop in the Lord's church. I went to him and I, 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 I put myself in a position to be heard and to hear. And he diagnosed me in front of my wife without ever, ever talking to me about any of my issues in life. He said that I was paranoid and I was schizophrenic in front of my wife. He insulted me in front of my wife rather than help me get up and become who God called me to be. And that's the real reason why I was there. I was hoping for once he would make the right choice, and he still made the wrong choice. And that set me back as a pastor, as a preacher. And it made me feel like if I can't talk to this guy, and he's the smartest out of the bunch of the preachers that I could go to, that I think, I can't go to nobody and if this is the smartest that they have and the wisest that they have then they probably not about very much at all I need to walk away and so I did and I felt alone it was the best decision I ever made in my life I didn't know it at the time I felt like a loser I didn't even know how insulted I was. I didn't even know how messed up I really was. I did not know. I did not know. But then it brings me to this point right here. Here's why I, I felt those questions running through my mind, and challenging me, and defeating me for decades. Because I wasn't taught the right things about Jesus from jump Street. I wasn't taught the right things about myself. Being a hypocrite in church was learned behavior for me. Didn't even realize I've always been in a toxic religious environment. I didn't know Jesus never wanted to send me to hell. I didn't know that the same people even who were trying to kill me and destroy me while I was down, were many times worse off than me. They just never got caught. So then the awakening came, 2016. I don't know, I'm grown, I'm 40 years old. I done spent 40 years in church. 40 years around the body of Christ. 40 years of my life. I feel, many times, just being wasted on nothingness and feeling bound by church. I feel like I'd never fit in church, from the country church to the city church, even to my own church of pastoring and all that. Still did not feel like I ever fit in with church. Never in all of my life. Singing on some of the largest stages in America, and I still never felt like I belonged to church. I didn't even know if I was serving God or my father. (laughs) Because all of the rules that we had, I didn't know if I was serving God or my father. I wanted to please both, but I thought the only way I could please God was to please my dad or to please my pastors or to please church people. Please don't disappoint the church. Please don't look bad in front of the church. Please don't embarrass the church. Nothing really resonated in me that anything that the rules were really ever about what God didn't want. It seemed to me that everything was about what the denomination didn't want or what the pastors didn't want or what the mothers of the church or what your parents didn't want. A lot of it just didn't seem to resonate that it was anything that God didn't want. And and living with that question and can't ask because asking would have been looked at as not honoring your parents or being disrespectful in some way, shape, or form. So the awakening for my life came in 2016 when I went to seminary. seminary, Rodden School of Divinity in Liberty University, Lynchburg, Virginia, seminary for me was the greatest awakening of discipleship moments of my life. It was then I was introduced to what I believe is the real Jesus of the Bible, not the religious Jesus of my denomination. Serving the Jesus of my denomination was a hard Jesus that I could never satisfy. No, no matter how much I did for him, no matter how much I changed. I was never going to be able to make him happy because the only thing that that Jesus had on his mind was waiting for the opportunity to punish me and kill me for all the things I've done wrong. It's a little weird because the denomination I was I was in prided itself in the usage of the name Jesus in baptism. The name of Jesus, everything was done in the name of Jesus. And saying that by the name or in that name is the only way to be saved. Yet when I cried out to him, all I felt from that Jesus was rejection and ignored. Even the people who served that Jesus was mean and judgmental, and they still are, by the way. And always made, uh always put a period rather, where God and the Bible has put a comma. Uh, in other words, the people who served that mean Jesus always made a final judgment, demonized me and sentenced me to, to death, hell and destruction. So I felt if they were they never changed their confession, then it's no way. There's no way I have a fighting chance to be delivered or set free by God. Because I felt that they had to approve of my deliverance and freedom. And if they didn't, then I'm toast. I'm done. If these people don't say I'm free, then I'm bound forever. If these people doesn't say, if they don't say that I'm delivered, if they don't approve or accept me for being the changed man that God has has the work that God has done, if they can't discern it and they can't see it, I'm lost forever I'm lost forever and that's what I believed about God because that's what I was made to believe about God I was made to feel that no matter how much I cried out to Jesus in secret he had to go get their permission to come to my rescue That's some religious bondage if I ever seen it. And my eyes are open to it. And my goal right now is trying to help every person that I can on this earth to get free from it. Hallelujah. Every person in this world to get free from that religious bondage. I don't care if you like the style of worship. I don't care if you like the praise breaks. I don't care if you like the hooping and the hollering. If it is religious bondage you need to get out. You need to get out because the Jesus you're talking about does not exist because they're not teaching you the Jesus of the Bible. They may be saying Jesus' name, but they don't know him in his character. And they're telling you something about Jesus that is a whole lie. Because the only thing that represents his truth, that really can confirm his truth, is his word. Watch this. So, I thought Jesus had to go through them. Let me see what my dad has to say about it. Let me see what my mom has to say about it. Let me see what my sisters or the church folks or the deacon or the bishop, the apostle, the the prophet, the teacher, all of these people. Let me see what they have to say. But if they say I'm okay, then I'm okay. If they treat me like they love me, then maybe I'm accepted again. But that never came. And to this day, it still has not come. It's a refusal to open the eyes to see that. God has done a work on the inside of me. They don't care about that. All they care about is what I've done. And they, they think, they call it chasing ghosts. No, no. Every time I come around, you treat me like I'm the devil. And the way it framed my thoughts. And it made me believe something about God that's not true. And it made me believe something about me that's not true. So I couldn't see Jesus for them. I couldn't hear Jesus. For them, the problem was I was trained to let them be God in my life rather than letting God be God in my life. In other words, I made a God out of them. And I think they wanted me to make a God out of them, and I don't think they really wanted to call it being a God. I think they really wanted to call it submitting to authority or whatever the case may be. But if it's ungodly authority, all you do is train people to rebel against the God of creation, the God of salvation, the God of my healing, the God of my deliverance. If you're not teaching me the real God, then you're already establishing rebellion in my heart already. So when I rebel against you, it's not the first time. I've already rebelled against God. You trained me to rebel against his word because you refused to teach me the truth about it or you were ignorant about it yourself and didn't even tell me that you didn't know. So I kept subjecting myself to them. I was trained by them. Trained by them to let them be God in my life. I'm the voice of God for you. I'm the voice of God. When you fail, I want you to feel my wrath. I've heard that from pastors. I want you to feel my wrath. God didn't even let me feel his wrath. And they wanted me to feel their wrath. Man. It's so hard not to cry right now. Because that's real pain that I've had to deal with in my life. It was then when my life really began to change. I started peeping into the scriptures more and more and praying and their rules and ethics in my life started looking more like the lies from man or just denominational preferences and desires of man. I couldn't see or hear Jesus because nothing, absolutely nothing about what they were telling me had anything to do with Jesus. I didn't experience the unconditional love and acceptance of God. I watched this until 2018. I'm in seminary 2016, and it I had to read and study a long couple of years before it really got a hold of me. In January of 2018, is when he started God started the Holy Spirit started teaching me on a 21 day fast about being accepted. Every single day I would go to the church on the fast with my Bible and my journal and lay sit or kneel at what I made to be my altar which was at the on the stage of or what people call the pulpit in the church. I had to start speaking and renouncing. He taught me to speak and renounce everything that I ever heard from Satan and religious people about myself and the word of God and say what God's word had spoken over me already. I didn't even know it was going to work. He led me to do it. It is during this that time that I discovered Ephesians 1 and 6. <laughs> Ephesians 1 and 6 is something that I literally quote every single day of my life because that's when I found out I was accepted by God. 2018, January on 21 Day Fast. The scripture says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in his beloved. He already made me accepted. Here I am thinking that the God that I know is rejecting me, is the God that I was taught, the Jesus that I was taught, was mean and ready to, to kill me and to destroy me, and He looked at me like I was doomed, uh, you know, destroyed, and 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 just a uh, damned. And there's no hope for me. And this is what I believe. And now I look into the scripture. This is why every believer, every believer needs to get to know, you have to know the word of God for themselves. Because then you get to know what God really thinks about you. And it's exciting. It's so exciting to be liberated from man's opinion and to accept God's word and his truth about you to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'm a beloved son of God. <laughs> One of the reasons why I know that walking with God is a walk of trusting God is because when I started speaking this verse daily, it was a struggle for me to believe it. I kept saying it until my belief system started changing. I could feel daily, every day, my beliefs start changing. Matter of fact, it got so it got so heavy on me. Uh, I remember that I wanted I wanted to change so bad, and I wanted to believe it so bad that I would I would pray. Uh, I will speak it once in the morning. I will speak it. I will speak Ephesians 1 and 6 in the noonday. And I will go back to the altar at the church in the evening and speak it again because I wanted to really get it in me. I wanted to believe it. I wanted to believe that how he accepted me and it didn't matter if anybody else accepted me. It didn't matter if anybody loved me, supported me, anything, pat me on the back, none of that. I went through the process of listening to God's word teach me that he accepted me already. He had already made me accepted in his love. So I kept saying it until my belief system started changing. I stopped stopped thinking that I was a victim, but rather I was victorious. I'm not damned. I'm not doomed. And I'm not destroyed. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. Woo. (laughs) <laughs> I'm the righteous Do you know the wrong theology can mess up your mind And give you mental health problems Because why When you think the wrong thoughts about God And God saying you be created in my image and after my likeness You're going to think the wrong thoughts about you If you think God is mean Then you think God is mean toward you If you think God doesn't love you Then that means that God does, If you think God is not love Then you and he's just this God of disaster And just setting everything on fire And casting everybody into hell And he's just you know he's about gloom, doom, and he don't want you and all that, and and, and at the same time telling you to come to him, come on y'all that don't even make sense at the same time he's telling you to come to him and he know he's mean he know he's not loving he know he's not forgiving he know he's not, there. you can't put your faith and your hope in him at the same time he's telling you to come to him all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet you are sitting here believing that God himself wants to destroy your life. It is a lie. Oh, he's a loving father. Hallelujah. My God, he's a loving father. He's a caring father even if your father don't love you, if your mother don't love you, the Bible says that when my mother and my father forsakes me, then the Lord will take me up. The rejection of pastors and leaders, that is not the end of your story. The Lord will take you up. Nobody has to approve of your existence or your change or your of your life or anything as long as God himself takes you up. So today my loyalty is in him. Let me finish. Let me finish. So to tell you that I feel like that every day would be a lie. However, this is why I don't walk. By feelings, I walk by faith. So no, I don't feel like the righteousness of God every day. Still don't. I don't always feel like God is just crazy about me every day, and I don't always feel crazy about God every day. But it ain't about feeling. It's about knowing. However, I walk by faith and not by my feelings. I trust God with my my growth. The God that I am experiencing is a God who's using a man while he's becoming every single day. I no longer need the approval of religious people who choose to close their eyes to my development and maturity. I can walk hand in hand with God knowing he is a faithful father and that he loves me unconditionally and that he, he, that he that 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 and that has given me the grace he has given me the grace to love myself and love those who choose to be in relationship with me. I don't even look for people to be in relationship with me. Many people openly reject me just because they think they know me. They think they know the ugly stuff about me and that's all they really know. They don't know what's in my heart. They don't care to know what's in my heart. But I know that God is here. I know that God loves me. I know that God had to reach way down and dig me out of some ugly stuff. I made myself, put myself in some really bad situations. And no, I wasn't, I was sometimes loud and strong and wrong, loud and proud, and just sinful as I could be. That didn't stop God's love. It stopped everybody else, it seemed like. But it didn't stop God's love for me. Now, God taught me how to love myself. And love those who choose to be in relationship with me. I can even love my enemies now. At one point, I couldn't do that. That's growth. That's growth. That I can love my enemies now. I couldn't do it at first because I thought my enemies deserved to feel the same pain that I felt. I felt like my enemies deserved to feel the same antagonistic, defeating feelings and hatred and anger and bitterness that I've had to overcome. I wanted them to many times. I just wanted God to just do something to them. And then God had to teach me. No, if I'm not that God for you, I'm not that God for them either. (laughs) If I'm not that God, if it's in my character, then it's not in my character to be your personal hitman for those who don't like you. So therefore, if I'm not that God for you, I'm not going to be that God for them either. And so what he had to teach me is that the same word that changed me is the same word that now opened my eyes to God loving my enemies and dying for them and creating a future and a hope for them. And I pray that every one of my enemies get what God has for them and become everything that God has in store for them. I'm so grateful. For the man that I am becoming. And I'm excited about the life that I live. I'm a much better husband to Dr. Kim. I'm a much better father to my Lacey Pearl girl, and I'm thankful for being a great a, a better pastor, teacher, and leader and student because of it. I am thankful for the journey I'm on. I have hope, hallelujah, for my future. I have hope And and everything that I'm called to do, it seems like I'm in a place where the Holy Spirit is just breathing through me freely. And I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I don't have to do anything that's trying to impress anybody or make them feel like, oh, he's just trying to prove. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to prove to him is that I love him with my whole heart, my whole soul, my mind, and my spirit, and my whole life I love him and i long to live for him and i long to be true to him and i know i got ways to go because i'm just 46 and my life is not over i thought it was but it's not i have so much development to 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 uh, pursue i have so much growth to 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 happen in my life i'm excited about it cuz it lets me know i haven't arrived but it also lets me know my life is not over and so that's excites me so yes i'm happy about the man that i am becoming i'm proud of myself that's not pride speaking that's coming from a person who thought they were damned for life and i'm going to tell you today all is not lost the old you may have to pass away but the scripture teaches us all things become new Get ready to live new. Listen, y'all, that's it for today. <laughs> hey, listen, I hope you cry with me at least. My God, don't let me cry by myself. Listen, I'm, I'm done for today. Whew, that was major. Don't forget, you can follow me on social media at the Apostles Corner to keep up with what's going on here. And of course, opportunities to join us for live events on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Of course, you can share this podcast with your friends and ask them to join our community on these audio podcast platforms, Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Don't forget, you can also join me every Sunday morning on Facebook and YouTube at Generations Church, G-E-N-E-R, the number eight, I-O-N-S, Church. Or you can feel free to join us in person at 9644 Mameo Boulevard, North Little Rock, Arkansas, 72113. Listen, again, thank you so much for joining me until next week when I bring you another awesome episode of the Apostles Corner. Go ahead and live free in God. Glory to God. Hallelujah.